0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back, Title Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohacks, the Hot Rod Farmer from Cat Swamp Road, and it is uh, raining today a little bit. This is the remnants, I think, of whatever that was Hurricane Ivan that uh, sadly uh, decimated uh, Florida or, or certain parts of Florida. I have a, a friend of mine who lives more towards the Panhandle, and he got absolutely nothing. He says a little bit of a, a slight breeze. And then some other people I spoke to, I guess, on the uh, East Coast really didn't get get anything down by, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, Palm Beach, West Palm Beach. So who knows, but the, the, uh, the pictures and videos I'd seen on the television were just horrific. And we have to pray for those people. And my wife and I had gone to Sanibel Island a few times, oh, I, I think twice, at least at least once, right? And uh, which is by Fort Myers on the west coast in the in the Gulf there, and it was a, uh, a the the causeway was supposedly completely destroyed. So that's a that's a shame. And to our Canadian friends up in the Maritimes, I was the other storm. I think it was called Ivan. I I can't even keep track of these storms anymore and i know that part of canada was just as devastated it's not as populated as down in florida obviously but there's a lot of, of uh, agricultural activities there and dairy farms and and from what i from what i understand is that that was just as devastated in a different way than florida a different way meaning that it was more rural but then sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad so our prayers need to go out with, with, to all of these areas for uh, God's mercy to be upon them. And what a just te- I mean, terrible, terrible, and uh, so there's nothing more that you could say about it than it's terrible and the devastation is the, is the same but different. Uh, livestock and animals up in Canada, I know to a certain extent in Florida, but not more. It was more urbanized. And then all of that destruction and trash, and what do you do with that afterwards? So uh, we just have to be grateful that uh, that there was a minimal loss of life. When you see something like that, and you hear, I mean, obviously to the families that lost somebody, that's that's, this is no no consolation. But only thirty people so far that I have heard, and I don't in Florida. I don't know about Canada because the news about the Canadian Maritimes here is very sketchy, if not at all. And on rural radio, I listen to, in the morning I catch about 15 or 20 minutes of, of a show called Real Ag Radio with Sean Haney. I never met him. He does a good show. I don't particularly care for his politics. Uh, he comes across as, as, as very anti-American, and very liberal but he does do a good show so whatever but that's you know that's his prerogative right he doesn't have to agree with me but uh, that's where i learned about the storms up in canada so our prayers are with with everyone that needs to have them and it seems as the world goes on there's just more and more prayers that need to be um, be lifted up to the lord and so today we're going back to a regular regular idle chatter podcast and i'm going to have a topic that i've wanted to discuss uh in depth for a long time and i've touched on some things of it some aspects of it briefly over the years but nothing in in entirety and i can never cover it in entirety for the simple reason being i'm not educated enough for smart enough and then also there's many many elements of it but you know, this brand loyalty, specifically in the agricultural community and in the car community, and the hot rod community. You'll have a you'll have a guy who's just a Ford guy or a Chevy guy or a Mopar guy, and and uh, God forbid they cross. I mean, there's I mean, there's many funny stories within agriculture of families of a young couple marrying, and uh, they the. Two families were so polar opposite as far as, you know, one was a Ford family, the other one was a GM family, one was a John Deere family, the other one was a Case IH family, and they end up uh, getting married together. So I guess that's good, right? You bring it all together. But I certainly, you know, like brand loyalty and and appreciate brand loyalty. But lots of times, you know, as an engineer or even as a, as a technical writer or a road tester, but if you're a technical person, and if you are an engineer, you have to look. You have to look beyond your your personal preferences. You may be a um, a Ford guy, but if if this Chevy motor or this Chrysler motor it's not even Chrysler anymore, Stellantis, right? If this Stellantis motor, that's something just don't sound right about that. <laughs> but nothing sounds right today. Well, I'm a Stellantis man. I mean, I, uh, what happened to Mopar? So. Which actually was was a short for motor parts, so which was the brand just like Ford had Motorcraft and General Motors had Delco, but Delco was actually a an engineering division. Uh, eventually, all the all the subcategories there was Delco AC Delco, which was which originally was for that AC was the AC Spark Plug Company, which was actually bought up by Sloan, which was Alex Champion, and then after his. Uh, his non-compete agreement expired he became it became a champion spark plug but anyway but you have to look beyond that what's good is good and what's bad is bad and you could certainly have your brand loyalties but your brand loyalties in with older people and not that old right like i would say from 60 years well whatever probably from 40 years old on up or much usually much stronger than younger people younger people just seem to go with whatever they want and and not everyone but they don't seem to have that brand loyalty but brand loyalty also runs very strong in motor oil and, and you really shouldn't call it motor oil because it's an engine a motor is electric if it has combustion in it, it's an engine. You say it's a steam engine has combustion, has a jet engine has combustion. It's a diesel engine. It's a gasoline engine. So, uh, but for some reason, it's gotten the name motor oil. And the interesting thing about motor oil is that if you, you know, if you study engines and back to your high school days, or you read any of these consumer things, Consumer Reports, a AAA magazine, or what have you. And you know, they say that that the motor oil is the lifeblood of the engine, All right? So I mean, there's the it is the par the uh, the conflict right there. The motor motor oil is the lifeblood of the engine. It should be right there. So, but they they say that, and it's true, and it's very true uh, beyond uh, beyond a doubt whatsoever. There's no doubt, and the type of oil we use the brand of oil we use and all the specifications of the oil come into play and then also whether we change the oil or not now my father-in-law god rest his soul he had a honda accord that was his last vehicle before he passed away it was a 91 accord that he had leased and uh you know a great man but not really Good with machinery specifically cars and i'm just chuckling and i i just thought to date charlotte that car was his car was a year old and it was a leased car he had never leased a car before in his life and he he really didn't want a honda but somebody kind of talked him into it or persuaded him i don't know he got i think he got kind of hoodwinked into it and uh, but anyway it was a, a basic accord it was a japanese built accord not an american built accord and uh I don't think he ever changed the oil in it. I don't think he knew he was supposed to change the oil in it because it was a lease car, and he was a World War Two veteran, he was from uh, he was actually from uh, Okinawa, Fort and Okinawa, and what have you. And there was a little bit of a issue there with him buying a Honda. He thought it was made in the United States, but anyway. So, but we won't go there. And I don't, I thought he was like, a. I, I guess he always called it a rental, a rental, a rental, which a lot of people from that, from that age group, if they ended up leasing a car, did consider it a rental, because really, in all honesty, it is a rental, so I don't think that, you know, if he went away someplace and rented a car, then, you know, he knew he was supposed to put gas in it, he knew he was supposed to, but uh, be careful where he parked it, and what have you, and, and have some sort of insurance on it through the rental company or through his credit card or what have you but I guess for some reason it just kind of escaped him that he was supposed to change the oil and I don't know whether the failure that it ended up having was due to a lack of oil changes completely I'm sure it did not help but I remember it was like in February and Charlotte called me I had my shop at the time says my dad is broken down so I said okay where is he and my shop was not far from Charlotte's house. It was in the suburbs and closer to the city. It was not near the farm here. It was in Fairfield, New Jersey. And so so I said, "Okay, let me you're home. Let me come. I'll get you because you know where he you know where he is. You know that neck of the woods. I don't want to get lost. <clears throat> and uh, we'll go pick him up. So I remember he we went to go pick him up and he was standing on the street corner waiting for us in a black leather jacket. He looked very dapper, and and sadly a few months later he did pass away. And we both have a mental picture of him standing on the street corner. It was like a it was a drizzly, chilly February day. It wasn't snowing, but it was uh, just damp and raw. And he looked like a million dollars. I mean, he looked. Fantastic. We, we even both said to ourselves, we would not married yet, but said, oh, look, look. I said, look how great. He said, your dad looks fantastic. He looks like young man and and that was in february and june he was already passed that he was diagnosed with with uh colon rectal cancer and, and within three or four weeks he passed away so anyway so we're going to jump out and say mr clark clark and let's see what's happening here so i figured maybe ignition module bad or whatever so he cranks the cranks the engine over and it sounds like it has no compression. So I said, geez, the timing belt must have broke on it. That's, that's what I figured, right? Common thing, timing belt. So I was able to, op- where the oil filler cap was on the engine, I was able to take that off. It's okay, crank it over, all basically uh, well convinced that I wasn't going to see the camera move. But I saw the cam turning, so I said, "Geez, this is crazy." So I said, "All right, we'll get it. I'll take you home, and we'll get it towed back to my shop." And I called my tow guy, and I forgot the particulars, but it ended up towing it back to my shop. And I said to Joey, who worked with me, Joe Fensky, who's going to be uh, eventually a guest on the On the Road podcast, and uh, <clears throat> so we had the car in. I guess we i remember i think we used my s10 and we towed it into the shop i I don't remember anymore it's moot i don't even know why i'm babbling about that with information that's meaningless to you so we bring the car in the crank it's got no compression so i said all right let's see what's going on and and now hondas were notorious Uh, the previous generation they were notorious for the valve sticking in the cylinder head and what would happen is that the car would be running fine and Mr. Clark said it was running fine. He was at a traffic light, boop, and it shut right off. And then it wouldn't start again. And the Hondas were, like I said, they were very notorious for that. You'd, the car be running fine. You'd shut it off. And then the next morning, you would go to crank it. And it would not start and to the motorist they didn't understand but it, it cranked like the timing bell was broken like it had no compression and in that particular instance what was happening with those hondas back in the 90s into the 2000s is that the, they were carboning up the valves so badly that when you would shut the engine off due to carbon on the valves the valves would stick in the in the guides. And I guess it was a freewheeling motor to a certain extent because they never hit the, pi- the pistons, never bent the valves, and you'd crank it; it had no compression and it wouldn't start. And you would think, then again, you would think it was the timing belt, and it wasn't. It was the valve stuck in the head. And just last week, I did a show on. Uh, if you have, if you are also someone who listens to my show on series, I'm just gonna wipe my <clears throat> excuse me, to wipe my nose here, and. Uh, uh, I just did an a, uh, episode on Farm Machinery Digest Radio about the carbon on pistons and intake valves. So what Honda actually used to do was have a, they had, had a bulletin because the problem was so bad. And like I said, it was the craziest thing. The engine ran fine. You came home from work, you shut the car off, you went out the next morning and won't run. And, uh to go to a General Motors dealer and buy it at the time was called GM top engine cleaner now it's called GM upper engine cleaner upper engine fuel injection cleaner I don't know if it's a different formulation or not but and to actually pour that into the spark plug holes in the pistons and then once he got the engine running to drip it through the injection system to get the carbon off the valves and the, the honda bulletin would say use the general motors and gave the part numbers go to a general motors dealer and buy this and that was and that was what, what honda told you to do. so i said to myself well geez i thought that was the previous generation of cords i said to joey but uh who knows i mean mr clark does a lot of round town driving and so maybe the valves carboned up well it wasn't the valves carboned up we took the valve cover off and the camshaft broken half it was a single overhead cam engine so ironically the front part of the cam where the timing belt was and where the oil filler cap was that's why when I took the oil filler cap and had Mr. Clark crank it over I saw the cam move was intact but it was it was broken the camshaft was broken in half so uh, in essence That was what the problem was, and it was pretty gummy inside the motor, so I do not know whether the camshaft broke because he didn't change the oil. I I honestly don't know. At that particular point, there was a lease car under warranty yet, so it went back to Honda, and they actually put a motor in it. So uh, I think they, actually I think they kind of hoodwinked him and they put a used motor in it or whatever, but he didn't care as long as it ran. But after, after they put the engine then it had a TPS code and a whole bunch of other stuff. So anyway, and then it went back it went back to Honda when he passed and went home to the Lord. And so I never knew. So the thing basically is, is that the reason why I'm telling you that story is what's interesting about motor oil is that we have this brand loyalty and we really don't have anything substantive that's the word i think i'm saying it wrong to support our lover for this particular brand or our passion for this particular brand and some of you may be listening go well, i just buy whatever's on sale or cheap as long as it's the right weight and the right sae category and then I'm gonna hopefully remember to address that as the show goes on today. So when you if you look at the study of oil of friction, this is this is with machinery, not just with engines. If you look at all of that, that there's actually a discipline in engineering and it's called tribology, T R I B O L O G Y. And it is the study of friction, wear lubrication bearings, and the interaction of of a lubricant with a mechanical part so it's so as far as tribology is concerned you're not a a chemist designing oil so you are working with oil designers and so maybe you have 25 percent of your education is in that chemistry because you need to know what chemistry to apply to Achieve the result as far as friction wear bearings, but it's more it's more of that that almost like the conductor of the orchestra. You have a you have a, a foot in each in each camp, but more of your more of you are leaning towards the mechanical aspect of it than the chemistry of the oil. But you do have to be very familiar with the chemistry of the oil. And what happens here is I have some notes because I wanted to not wander all over the place with this. So if you hear me shuffling some papers that is what it is all about here and I have to see where did I want to go with this all right um now I know where I want to go but I want to hopefully go succinctly so I don't waste your time and confuse you all right so the thing is that if you look at it now there's two schools most probably more than two schools multiple schools of thought as far as oils are concerned when it comes to machinery and even though i'm going to be focusing on engines this is going to hold true for hydraulic oil on a farm tractor construction equipment semi all right and also transmission fluid so it's going to go through through any lubricant or what i'm going to call working fluid because when it comes to a hydraulic system is that the fluid could is usually a is a lubricant and a working fluid and a working fluid is, is a fluid that is used, a Newtonian fluid that is used to accomplish something, all right, and also be a lubricant, whereas you have engine oil, and for the most part, engine oil is just a lubricant. It really doesn't. And then there are some modern engines that use cam phases, that use oil pressure, so that's kind of making it like a working fluid. For, for the most part, it's just a lubricant, and believe it or not, it's also a coolant because the oil if you have a lot of modern engines have oil cooled pistons from this from the small end of the rod they have an orifice a jet that sprays oil to the on the bottom of the piston to pull some heat out of the crown of the piston so uh, there's a lot there's a lot going on there as engines become more more advanced and have higher specific outputs, and what have you, whether it's farm tractors or whether it's Corvettes, all right? The thing basically is is that the oil is asked to do more, and the chemistry of the oil changes. But to get back to it, there's a camp that says, well, if the manufacturer says, I need whatever, SAE 5W20, and it's supposed to meet whatever, I don't even know what the latest spec is, let's say SG, uh SAE, API, SG spec then i could go to and i'm going to use walmart for example or any auto parts store because walmart has their own brand of oil and uh i'd say well whether i look at Quaker State or mobile one or this or that or a walmart brand if it meets that specification that's fine it's good to go and then the same thing happens with hydraulic fluids and especially in agriculture they call them tractor fluids and the same you know so if i go to if i go to this place a big box store and there's a hydraulic fluid and says it meets this spec or whatever then why the heck should i go to the dealer and pay extra money for that or pay for a name brand and sadly for the most part you're probably never going to change those people's minds all right uh because they're the same as the same the same parts are parts oil is oil gasoline is gasoline whatever corn is corn right everything is the same and there are maybe a small microchasm of life that that may be true, but for the most part, especially today, that is not true. So you have that camp of people, and then you have the other camp of people that say, I'm a mobile one guy, I'm a Valvoline guy, I'm a Torco guy, or what have you. And uh, your know, dirty little secret of the drag racing community is that you have a lot of these name, these big name racers and, this, and they're sponsored by a certain company an oil company let's say and they have the decals on the car and in nhra racing i know about other racing um, they have what they call contingency decals so let's say you're running super stock so after you're registered you go up to the you go up to the um contingency uh counter wherever that may be and say okay i'm I'm ray Bohax, i'm running the. Uh, This Mustang and Superstock is my whatever, and then let me have my decals, please. And then you go back, (laughs) then you go back to the to the pits, and you put the the champion spark plug decal, the Castrol oil decal, and everything on the car that you've got. And what the purpose of that is that if you were to win your class i don't think runner-up because everything changes since i've been involved with it. but if you were to win your class then the companies if you have that contingency decal on your car so if you have champion spark plugs on your car so champion spark plugs may give you 50 or 100 dollars or whatever they may give you then castor oil gives you something else and this guy joe schmo gives you something else but to the lay person they believe that oh look that guy's running champion spark plugs he's using castor oil no I mean, he may be running champion spark plugs. He may be using castro oil. And then the fact is that all he did was put the decal on to get the money if he wins the class. And there's no qualifier saying, well, okay, you know, if you run, cha- and I'm picking on champion spark plugs for no particular reason, but if you run champion spark plugs, then here you put the contingency decal on, and if you win that your class, then we'll give you $100 or two, whatever the number may be, all right? There's nothing. So basically, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's fake news, as President Trump would say. I mean, maybe back in the 50s and 60s it was, but in the past 30 years, it didn't mean anything. It was a bunch of decals. And when I worked for uh, NHRA Division One as a tech inspector, they used to I didn't even have—they used to give me the the, the uh, contingency decals. So, and then as you get into the higher ranks, the professional ranks of drag racing. Now, I don't know how it is in in, in mass NASCAR or road racing or Formula One or what have you, but probably not. It's probably not the same drag racing is unique is a unique sport because you you have this sportsman and pro category and is really that the line in the sand is really very 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 hard to see a pro is getting paid to do what he's doing whereas a sportsman is going on his own nickel so other than that uh there's really not much so if you were to look at top fuel funny car which is nitromethane and alcohol funny car which i don't even know still exists the alcohol funny car class is considered um a sportsman class and then the pro stock and top fuel and uh, funny car top fuel drags are considered pro- professional categories so if you have a guy running a competition eliminator or uh, or anything uh well, there's so many different classes. So I'll stick with competition eliminator, all right? Car. It may be an old pro stock car, and but it's not. It's considered a sportsman class versus a professional class. So the point that I'm getting at is that you have a lot of professional drag races. And again, the caveat being, I don't know whether it happens. in any the other aspect of motorsports, and they may have uh, X, Y, Z oil company as a sponsor. And they're giving them big money, especially like the, the 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 fuel cars, and the you know the fuel cars, meaning nitromethane funny cars and and dragsters, and then pro stock also. And so, uh, what happens lots of times? Let's say the engine, the the crew chief says no, and I'm going to use a brand that maybe I don't even know it still exists, but Torco was a brand of racing oil that a lot of people like i used to use their engine assembly lube i like their i used to like their engine assembly lube i'm not I, ne, I never used their oil that doesn't mean it was not any good but i never used it so let's say let's say valvoline is sponsoring this funny car or this uh this pro stocker and so they got valvoline all over not just a not a contingency decal not 50 bucks if they win and big money checks are being written right so what happens lots of times the crew chief, or the, the the depending upon the car, uh, says, "Well, man, I really like Torco oil." So what they basically do is they take the Valvoline bottles <clears throat> and they dump it out or put it into a different container. They put the oil in it that I like, that let's say Torco for this particular instance. For no, I got to pick on somebody, right? So brand Brand X, I'll say, is probably was would have been a more professional way for me to do it. And they put a Brand X. Into the valvoline cam, bottle <laughs> or jug, whatever, and then they're in the pits pouring valvoline into the engine, or the or the, the spectators think they're pouring valvoline into the engine, but all this is a valvoline bottle. It's not the valvoline oil, and and, and I'm not saying this always is the case. Please, there's a caveat, so I don't want to get sued or get something, but coming from the other side and seeing the back part of it, that this was very, very common, whether it still is today. Mind you, I've been out of it for quite some time. All right, so that basically is that. So Now, that, now coming back full circle here, what's very interesting about oil is that you have people that are very brand loyal. Forget about the guy who buys the cheapest thing can get. All right, because the guy who's a complete price shopper is never loyal to anything but his pocketbook and then if something is 10 cents one cent cheaper he migrates there but so the person who is is very very uh loyal to a certain brand of oil but to be quite honest with you you do nav, you have no idea what you're buying the oil business the engine oil business and the the gasoline business and diesel fuel but gasoline and i'm talking about street gas at the gas pumps not um you know race gas that you're buying that they give you the specifications for is that you really have no idea what you're buying so the thing is that you say okay fine if i go then i'm going back to walmart if i go there and it's okay i need a 5w20 oil that meets the specification i'm saying sg will say that all right and for my ford fiesta and i look and there's 10 different brands of of 5w20sg oil there's synthetic brand there's synthetics there's semi-synthetics there's mineral oils and the price point is all over the map and somebody says well what the heck you buying that for all you do is pay all you're doing is paying for advertising well that's what i'm hoping to address today because it's very hard to become an educated consumer when you know nothing about and it's not that you don't know anything about it they, they they divulge nothing about the product that you're buying just like when you go to the gas pump they don't say they say okay it's it's this much octane supposedly and over here in new jersey it says may contain up to 10 percent ethanol and according and as far as my heating oil is concerned it's, uh, nobody knows anything if I were to read the laws it's also contains some biodiesel in it but nobody knows whether it does or not so you're spending all this money for something and you really have no idea what the heck you're buying and if and you know gasoline and diesel fuel heating oil all right fine you go through that and it, it, it combusts and the engine runs fine or the boiler makes heat and all right we go from there and it's not gonna go too too crazy about it i mean i like to go not that i like to i drive myself crazy about it because i like to know what i'm buying i like to know I, I like to know the chemistry of it to a certain extent all right i'm not a chemist but i would like to know a little bit more than i'm being told But if we go back to the premise that the oil, the engine oil, or the hydraulic oil in a farm tractor and a combine is the lifeblood of it, don't you think we should know a little bit more about it? But then again, I'm saying it's not your fault that you don't know about it because if you were to look, go back to using Walmart and going to the automotive section, look at the oil jug, as every oil jug, if you were to read it, the the verbiage, the text is almost identical. Uh, saves fuel, does this keeps your engine clean, meets all all standards. Blah 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 blah. Right, so you can't really blame the un... the uh, I'm, and I'm and. Uh, The uneducated, because remember, education has nothing to do with your intelligence. It's what you studied and learned. I'm 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 uneducated about the Supreme Court. That doesn't mean I'm stupid. I haven't studied it. I haven't learned it. That wasn't an area of study for me. So to the uneducated person, you could really see, well, look, all the jugs read the same. It's like going into the supermarket and say, okay, vitamin D enriched whole milk. Vitamin D enriched whole milk. Now, I am a milkaholic. I love milk and and any I love I love whole milk that's um, forget about it. my wife buys it by the gallons all right, and I, I always tell people it's a milk belly and it is it's not a beer belly i don't drink anything whatsoever i don't drink beer i don't drink liquor and you know and it's an aside to that you, you go out with somebody for business and and look if somebody likes to have a, of a drink that's fine they like to have a bottle of beer I, i'm not being judgmental i'm not judging you all right but the fact of the matter is is that i don't drink i don't drink and i don't smoke i never drank all right and I never smoked and I've had a cigarette in my mouth so you go out for a business lunch or a business dinner and okay you know the secretary the secretary the waitress comes so okay would you like to start oh yeah I'm gonna have a martini I'm gonna have this I'm gonna have a scotch and soda and they come over to you you know get to you and say oh no thank you I'll have a glass of water please or I'll have some not even much of a soda person but sometimes oh geez let me have a let me have a coke or a pepsi or whatever you have right and then ultimately without fail if it's a if it's a business meeting where you are kind of quasi—I yeah, mean, you're not that friendly with the people—they all look at you, all right—and they look at you because—and you could read their mind because they think that you're a recovering drunk, right? And it's—it's really—and I have to—I have to because I—I you know—and and you know—and for business, I mean, just as me as a human being as a Christian, right? But they—they they look at you. I say, oh, no, thank you. You know, I'll, I'll just have a Coca-Cola. And uh, and so you know, you go have a have a have have a drink or something. Then somebody ultimately will say, "Who's like picking up the tab?" Or say, "Oh, have a drink, don't worry." But no, 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 thank you, I don't drink. And so, so they use that. It's not that they're being overly generous; that they're using that as like a litmus test to see whether you're drunk or not. All right. So, so many. I and and I have to figure out a better way to, to do it. But anyway, you know. But I love milk, and you could go to the supermarket and you could buy different milks, all right? Vitamin D, right? You got the store brand, you got this brand, you got that brand, you have organics, you have whatever. And if you truly are a milk aficionado, that lots of times those milks will have a different taste to them. They'll taste like milk. So just like you could go and buy pizza, right? Pizza is dough, pizza is is cheese, and pizza is a, a... Tomato sauce, something, and that's spaghetti sauce. Maybe some parts of the country it is. All right. And then you could go to five different pizza places, all in the same town. You could go to five different, right next door to one another. You could buy like Domino's Pizza or a Pizza Hut Pizza if there's some business, or go Pizzeria Pizza or, or this pizzeria. And even though they're all pizza, they all have the same components in it, right? The same ingredients. They have cheese, they have dough, and they have sauce on it. If you put sausage on or, or whatever, but a basic pizza but they all have a different taste to them so that is what happens with oil so if you were to say well what is pizza made of pizza is made of dough pizza is made of sauce and cheese and it's baked in an oven a pizza oven right now if you were to go to Back to walmart and look at the engine oils the motor oils and say okay they're all oils they all seem to be the same thing right but the fact of the matter is you honestly don't know what you're buying and me too i'm no different than you so now i use mobile one oil in all of my engines all right so you say oh, you're a mobile one man well I guess I am to a certain extent. I'm just going to get a drink, of, a drink of water here. This is well water, right? Your head is well water. There's bottled water. There's deionized water. <clears throat> Thank you. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> well, am I a mobile one man? Well, I guess if I've used mobile one for 20 years in all of my engines, then you could, you could make a convincing argument that I am a mobile one man. But why do I use mobile one? Do I have some sort of inside tract or something? Do I have, do I have, you know, am I a tribologist? No, I am not a tribologist. I have never studied tribology other than reading about some, some, about oils. I have a book on, on oils and engine oils and what have you, but I am as far from a tribologist as I am from a brain surgeon. So, well, what happened was that. I understand the benefit of a synthetic oil. And a synthetic oil, you have to remember, starts as a mineral based oil and it goes through a synthesis, synthesization, it becomes synthesized. It's probably a process to synthesize it. And that's, that process modifies it molecularly enough that it can no longer be considered. A, a mineral oil so it changes the molecular structure and what it you and what it does is that it and this is a simplistic approach to it all right so if somebody's a chemist out there or what have you or a tribologist please know i'm just this is basic understanding for the audience that so it it makes the molecular structure more uniform and the molecules are smaller. And that is why people used to say years ago, oh, you put synthetic, if it had mineral oil in it and you put synthetic oil, lots of times it leaks because what happens is that the mineral oil has different size m- molecules. And some are bigger, some are smaller and in that all uniform. And so we have with the synthetic oil, we have uniform molecules and they are all smaller so they're smaller than the ones that would be in mineral oil so if you have something that's smaller and more uniform not a big thing plugging it up over here then you're going to have tend to leak and then because of this synthesizing process and the, the modification of the molecular structure then it makes the oil more thermally stable and it has a and so it, it flows better when it's cold and it's able to take more heat when it's hot and i what i particularly like about the flowing better when it's cold and cold could be 10 degrees below zero or it could be 70 degrees because on an engine anything that is below engine operating temperature is considered cold and just depends about how far cold we get and we're going to discuss that a little bit hopefully is that uh it gets up to the parts sooner so now modern engines are usually overhead cam there are some new some new engines that are push rods right the ls and lt l t1 series and general motors and the ls based stuff and the the uh ford uh, what do they call it in the uh godzilla series in the pickup trucks and uh, but most of the part today everything is overhead cam and regardless whether it's overhead cam or not but specifically with overhead cam is that the majority of the complexity of the engine is in the cylinder head and if the oil is in the oil pan right and hopefully not on the ground it's in the oil pan and the cylinder head is on top of the engine and the cam is there then that's as far as it could be you possibly be away from the Oil sump on a on a on a first start. So what I like about the synthetic is that it's able to move quicker, so you could get it up to that to the camshaft and all of the complexity that is up there. Whereas if you have a push rod engine, for for all intents and purposes, the cam is halfway there, and this valve train is the heads, but the camshaft is more of a wear item than than the valves on initial startup. But so the whole valve train. So that's why I like the synthetic oil. I like all the benefits of it. And the thing is that I know that Mobil One is a good oil. Well How do I know it's a good oil? I don't know it's a good. <laughs> I mean, I really don't. I assume it's a good oil. But I assume that Valvoline is a good oil, and AMS oil is a good oil, and Quaker State is a good oil, and um, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Castrol is a good oil. All right. So I assume that they're all good oils just like if you say well you know is a john deere a good tractor yeah is it is a massey ferguson yeah is a fent a good tractor yeah is a case IH a good tractor yeah all right so the thing basically they're all they're all known to be good attractors just like if you were to look at it i'll be sexist if you were to look at a uh a miss america pageant or a beauty pageant you know all the girls are going to be pretty right so miss america 50 states they're all going to be pretty is this well i like blondes you like brunettes this one is shorter but still but they're all pretty right sort of thing basically is is that so my attitude that i attached is i know that mobile is a good company do i have any connections there no do i know that for a fact no but just like i know that john Deere makes a good tractor and massey ferguson makes a good tractor but then the differences in those two tractors or those two pickup trucks or ford versus a chevy versus a ram are they going to be the? are going to be your buying decision uh, are any of them bad no but you may say i like this a better on this one i like that and that one and so i stuck with mobile one because I felt that there was a I, it was a good product, it was a good company, It was a good product. there's no denying that. Is Castro synthetic just as good? maybe better or I have no idea. all right. It was a good product and also it was readily available. When I got my ranger, no one had a synthetic five w twenty but am's oil. and is am's oil a good product? i'm I'm hundred percent confident to take a drink again and try to save <clears> throat> my throat is amsoil a good product yes it is all right the problem that i had with amsoil was was that it was not convenient to buy i had to go through a dealer i had to buy it by the case it only came in quarts. i had to well, it, it was it was a nightmare so it was soon so i ran i ran amsoil 520 in my ranger for many many years and then when mobile, I think from from almost 100,000 miles, and then when mobile came out, mobile one came out with a 520, I went with that, night, so I put everything as mobile one. So now, basically what happens is that, so we look at all of this, and we put it all together. So getting back to our pizza route, our pizza analogy, is that everybody's pizza tastes different. So if they're using the same the same ingredients not necessarily the same brand right not necessarily but they're using cheese wheat flour for dough and tomatoes for tomatoes for t- tomato sauce all right on the pizza pizza sauce whatever you want to call it then if you made it if you if the tomato sauce that you put on there, is made differently, all right? Where where this is a certain recipe, it's still tomato sauce or uses a certain type of tomatoes or does anything special, then that's going to change the taste of the sauce. If you say no, I like to use this type of flour and I want durum wheat versus this other wheat. I'm just saying I'm not, I'm not a wheat expert right that's going to change things but is it still wheat so just like when you look at a tire is a tire right to a certain extent they're the same size and what have you and they 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 hold air and they and they contact the road but one tire could be better than the other have better traction but live live longer work live work better in the rain or what have you so the same thing happens with oil but the whole problem with oils is that you don't have any metric. There's nothing other than your personal perceived preference, like me with mobile One, and then also if you did an oil analysis on your equipment and uh, and your your past experiences. So I don't know what oil my father-in-law used in his Honda. All right. So and I don't know why the camshaft broke, but you could say well, I got three hundred thousand miles on this motor. And it doesn't burn any oil, it runs great, it don't leak, and I always use castor oil, whatever, GTX, whatever it was, I don't have to make GTX anymore. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I you can't argue with that, but was the, you know, how much of that how much of that success was the oils? How much of that success was your care? The filter you used to change on how much of that success was due to the engine being manufactured properly, and also the way you drove it and used it. All right. So the thing is that so we can't say without with with full confidence that the oil is everything, but we do know that the oil is the lifeblood of an engine and a hydraulic system. So now that took forty-five minutes getting there. I'm going to go into a couple of different things that you may not know about oil. Now. if anybody who's done an oil analysis, usually they come up with something when people talk about TBN, total base numbers. Oh, I like AM's oil because it has a higher TBN. I like Joe Schmo's oil because it has a higher TBN. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick on a couple of different points here because I have a textbook here about oil from SAE. All right, and It's about 900 pages, so obviously we're not, there's a lot more going on then I am going to be able to, I have the knowledge or ability to explain, but I want to give you some important bullet points that could help you make a decision, not to say you're going to go out there and buy Mobile One or AMS Oil, but to understand that there's differences in oils, Eat just like there's differences in pizza, and there's differences in the taste of the, of milk, even though they come from a cow. And it says vitamin D, milk on it so tbn total base number is the oil's ability to neutralize acids so that are from combustion and also from moisture and from condensation so an oil with a higher tbn is better at neutralizing combustion acids now you have to remember on every engine is a certain amount of blow by and a certain amount of combustion Combustion byproducts will get into the oil and that will mix with water and everything. It'll create sludge, it'll create acids. Now, the thing is that, so in theory, if you were to look at the definition of TBN and you say, well, i'm not a person or i have a fleet now I'm, I'm not good about changing the oil as far as that's concerned or i change the filter but i don't change the oil all right the thing is that in theory you would want an oil with a higher tbn because if you had a higher tbn then that oil will do a much better job of neutralizing the combustion byproducts that end up migrating past the rings and into the crankcase okay you're not going to be able to go to the store and look at a jug and say this oil has a high tbn so then again we have to have some trust in the brand that we are talking about or that we are considering buying now the other thing that comes into play let me get my papers here so i could have some continuity all right is the thing is that everybody talks about viscosity now, viscosity is one component of it. And for those, and for my, my corn farmers, or my soybean farmers, or my wheat farmers, anybody, sorghum, what have you, or even my dairy guys, right? So what do you do? You make a TMR, totally mixed ration, and you usually have somebody, a nutritionist, that based upon your cow herd, your dairy cow herd, and, they're, and they're, that you'll have a custom mixed team. Tea, tmr totally mixed ration as far as me as a corn farmer is concerned i take a soil test I send it to a laboratory, then I send it to Ben Hushin, my agronomist down in Maryland, and he reads my soil test, and he says, "Okay, we're low on. We need this. We need some boron. We need some. We need some. Uh, we need this much calcium. We need. We need. We did. uh, We need this much molly, Whatever. I mean, uh, I get. I get brain freeze when I try to think of all this stuff, and I'm focused on teaching, right? And he custom blends." my fertility program for my sweet corn all right i could go right over here to grow mark and get n p and k and something else and put it in there and say let it rip baby all right i don't have to go all the way to maryland so the thing is that so if i have farmer a across the road from me and he's growing sweet corn the same seed and let's say it's more or less the same soil right it's Cross cross route 517 and i give my and I have my fertility program that takes care of all of the needs of my crop. And I have, and he only puts three things in N P and K. Well, I'll tell you one thing. My corn is going to taste better. And my corn is going to have a higher nutrient level as far as for the person that's eating it, because I'm feeding it better. Well, the same thing happens with oil. So, But what people get confused with is that they look and say it meets the same specification, right? Well, he has sweet corn, the same seed I have. I have sweet corn, the same seed. Well, forget about him. If I did two different plots on my field, my corn would have different results. So now what happens is that people people fixate on viscosity because that is what is on the can. And there's a big, there's a, a great degree of misunderstanding with viscosity so by definition is vis- and a simplistic definition is 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 the resistance to flow or you could say it's the resistance to pour so if you were to take a glass of water and stand over the sink and pour it out and you were to take a jar of honey and pour it out they would both come out but what would happen is that the glass of water would pour a lot quicker and more completely than the honey so you would say that the honey is more viscous it is thicker we would say thicker but people people identify the thickness with it and it, that's one component of it just like the pizza has the cheese right the same type of cheese it's one component of it but it's really the the composition of honey versus the and i'm going to say chemical even though it's natural the composition of honey versus water is going to determine its porability. so when we look at viscosity in the oil all right so don't just say oh it's a thicker oil yes to a to a certain yes that is all right but it's just but uh it's not that it's a it's ability to resist flow and basically to pour now what happens you say okay fine hot rod the the can says 5w20 on it so it's going to be the same well the thing is that first of all let's get off the map that the W means weight. It does not mean made in, It means winter. So what would happen is if you have a multigrade oil of 5W20, is that oil, even though it's mixed, multigrade, like a hybrid, like my corn bicolor, yellow and white. All right. The thing is that it will respond at in in the cold temperatures and have the vis the porability of of a five weight even though it's not a pure five weight when you it's it's so it's a hybrid oil hybrid meaning that it has two different characteristics so the w means winter or cold now and the 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 other number the 20 is the hot number with the oil being hot now the thing basically is that there's when you when you say this oil meets the sae standards for 5w20 that is two test points and historically and it may have changed now but the winter the five weight performance or i don't want to say performance characteristics the five weight characteristics of how the oil would pour or move is has tested at from the latest numbers i have seen is 0 degrees fahrenheit okay and the 20 is at 210 degrees so what basically happens is that the oil responds like a 5 weight at at 0 degrees fahrenheit and it responds like a 20 weight at 210 degrees so now you live in arizona it never gets to 0 degrees all right how does that oil respond when you go to start your engine well is it going to is it going to want to pour be moved through the engine like a five weight well or is it going to want to be moved like a 20 weight or it's going to be someplace in between you don't know i don't know no i'm not going to say no one knows they don't give you that information What they're doing is they're giving you the oil's performance at two temperatures. And then what they basically use is a a special tool to read the viscosity, all right? And the thing is that, but it's at two different temperatures. So the only thing that you could say is that the oil responds like a 5 weight at 0 degrees and it responds like a 20 weight at 210 degrees what happens in between that you have have a clue does somebody know yes there's a madman locked away in a laboratory an engineer all right and it uh, and he has and he charts all of that they don't publish it and it's called a visometric index so it's the oils performance above and below those two temperatures because the api sae only gives you two temperatures bing and bing zero and 210 so if you went back to walmart and you bought the cheapest oil 520 all right it's going to respond at zero and it's going to respond at 210 just like the like the more expensive oil but what's going to happen at, at, at minus two? What's going to happen at positive five? What's going to happen at 30 degrees? What's going to happen at 220 degrees, 230 degrees? So we're only identifying those two parts, those two temperatures. So when you have a, 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 a better oil, and then again, the metric that I'm using for better is saying, well, it must be better because it's a name brand, all right and it has more components in it chemical components in it and it may be using a finer base stock just like you could go to the to the uh, grocery store and see all different olive oils virgin oil olive, extra virgin all this other stuff like that just like getting back to the tomato sauce Oh know i use this type of tomato specifically to make my tomato sauce right the other guy uses whatever is but it's still a tomato so what you're doing is you're buying that oils performance be throughout the visometric index all right but you do not know what it is because nobody publishes that but that's why it's conceivable that you could have a, an engine that sounds different on cold start or on hot restart with the same 5w20 530 whatever it may be <clears throat> And then then the other brand i said geez when i use this brand it it start it, it sounds this it sounds like it's starting drier it sounds the lifters are tapping or whatever because the thing is what happens is that that performance is not charted all right so if you even if you did an oil analysis you're not going to know what it is because an oil analysis is going to tell you what is in the oil as far as foreign materials concerned Now the next thing, so we have vis- viscosity is the resistance to flow. All right. Now there's another characteristic, and it's called surface tension, and it's read in dyne per centimeter, and it's a that's a unit of force. So it, so the surface tension of the oil is the force required to accelerate a mass of one gram at a rate of one centimeter per second so that's what the surface tension is now it is so it's so uh that is two types so it's used to measure the surface tension on a liquid and then there's what's called interfacial surface tension which is a, is the tension between a liquid and a liquid And this gets back to one of the reasons why I don't like to mix chemistries of hydraulic fluids or oils, because the interfacial surface tension may be different. So you may have mobile one in, right, your engine, 520, and say, oh man, I'm low on oil. I can only get castoral synthetic 520, all right, all right, no knock on anybody here. The thing basically is, is, so now I'm mixing two chemistries, all right. I'm mixing two pizza sauces. I'm mixing everything here. All right, now would I put the oil in instead of risk spinning a bearing? Of course I would, all right, or wrecking the motor. But that is why you usually see people that go to buy all different oils, go to cheap oil, change places. They usually don't have their engines age as graciously as somebody who doesn't do it because they're constantly mixing chemistries. It's 520, what the hell difference does it make, buddy, Right? Well, what it is is the surface tension and also it's the interfacial tension. How are these two oils going to work, all right? In in agriculture, we'd call it a tank mix partner, all right? You're putting this in the sprayer tank, you're putting that in the spray tank. How is that all going to work out together, right? Is there going to be some antagonism, all right? And now with oils and gasolines, they call it fungible, meaning it's so like in chemical composition that, that you could mix them together yes they are fungible but is there going to be a degradation of the interfacial surface tension and, it, and ter- surface tension is measured with a te- with a attention tensionometer all right which is a special interest now most now the thing basically is is the higher the surface tension the more energy because the definition is the force required to accelerate a mass of one gram at a rate of one centimeter per second so if you were to look at 5w20 mineral oil versus 5w20 synthetic oil because we said the synthetic oil the molecular structure is different the 5w20 mineral oil would have a higher surface tension, requires more force for it to move right, to accelerate like a drag car at the same rate, same thing with hydraulic oils trans, uh, transmission fluids, tractor fluids, same thing, it's coming into play that, but nowhere on the bottle does it tell you the surface tension everybody talks, about, and that's written dynes per centimeter and there is probably a 30 to 40 point range of acceleration acceptable surface tensions with an oil like 5w30 5w20 so when you buy the the less expensive of the same thing yes it's going to have the performance at zero degrees as far as its viscosity and at 210 degrees but it could have a completely different surface tension and and remember when i said to you i like to be able to get the oil up to my valve train overhead cam as soon as possible well the same thing happens with hydraulic fluid you put a hydraulic fluid in a tractor in a combine in a backhoe if you have a brand with a different surface tension it's going to act completely differently than what was intended so now the thing is that what becomes confusing is that the viscosity is the resistance to pour or motion all right there's a little bit more to it than that but i'm making it I'm making it simplistic, right? And the thing is that, let me get my papers here, all right? Where the, the, the surface tension is its, mon, its molecular bond to the materials. And an interfacial is the molecular bond to the two liquids so that's like an antagonism in a tank mix partner in a sprayer you put this in you put this in and even if you if you are a good farmer when you're doing different tanks mix partners they have a mixing uh um what word what, 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 what am i sequence they say okay if you're gonna put put this in first then put the glyphosate then put this surfactant then then do this because what's happening is you're changing the chemistry you can say what the hell difference does it make it's all getting up going in there anyway right who the hell cares right what difference does it make and that's why you need to read when you're mixing different different products different chemistries in your sprayer your agricultural sprayer is because the interfacial surface tension and but also there's a little bit more to it because they could start to congeal and what have you so the thing basically is is that there's an antagonistic but you have to keep in mind that that is so the surface tension is the molecular bond now there's something that's called wettability w-e-t-t-a-b-i-l-i-t-y so when you have a higher surface tension, the oil is more wettable. And and what wettable means is that molecular bond that's going to hold it to it. So that's why lots of times for for an engine that's not used too often I like to have a mineral oil it has a higher surface tension but you just said to me you don't want higher surface tension well it's like anything in life you have to define what you're trying to accomplish yes it's still going to lubricate and cool the engine but you have to define what's going to what's what's going to what you want to accomplish now so if you have a higher degree of wettability which is all right then what's going to happen is the oil is going to stay on those engine parts when it shuts off longer it's not going to stay on forever but if you have a very low surface tension like a like a modern synthetic you shut off the engine boom the oil runs right off you take the engine apart five minutes later and you'd be hard pressed to find the film i'm exaggerating on the bearings or the crank whereas if you used a mineral oil the same viscosity the same viscosity 1030, 1040, whatever number you want it's the surface tension so now do you go to the store and pick up a jug a jug of engine oil motor oil and say well our, our surface tension is, is 22 dines per centimeter of course not so that is why you have to have some faith in the brand that you're using because the visimetric index chart the total base number all right and the surface tension so i lots of times recommend to people all right with collector cars collector tractors oh, i want to put the best oil, i'm going to put synthetic it don't put synthetic in it all right because the fact of the matter is if you only started once a month and you want to be able to have a, a higher degree of wettability for the molecular structure to stick to the crank and the rods it's going to run off eventually but it's going to have some sort of of film film on it so that is something that comes into play also now another thing that comes into play let me shift my notes around because i'm going long already what the heck did i do with that okay and this is very very common with hydraulic fluids and it's common with a lot of engines today all right and i'm and and it's aeration of the oil now aeration means that it's not a solid bulk now the process by which air is is circulated through or mixed in with the oil is identified as aeration so now the oil becomes agitated so now like on my sprayer i have my farm sprayer have full-time agitation it's constantly mixing the product up so it doesn't separate because it's going to separate because it has different weights different specific gravities different interfacial surface tensions but if you keep it all moving and mixing and mixing and mixing it's going to stay in solution instead of drop out of solution now with aeration now you have to keep in mind that on a specifically a modern engine even in an old engine specifically a modern engine this oil is going through this whole engine doing a whole bunch of different things different size orifices different it's not like a garden hose where it's all the same size and coming out of the spigot and that's five eighths hose five eighths it's going through here it's going through through a, a, a piston uh, oil cooled pistons is going through a variable valve timing cylinder it's going through all over the place and what's going to happen is that this oil is going to be put through all of these different holes and orifices then it's going to go out in a bearing and all right and this is going to be to be very prone, or uh, I shouldn't say very prone. It's going to be very ripe to aeration. And personally, I think that's what's happening with some of the coyote motors and the mustangs and the pickup trucks. Is I think that the oil is aerating. And what I personally think is that Ford has a certain chemical composition in the oil that does not, that is less prone to aeration than you buying mobile one or what have you because most of the time when you get the ticking sound on the coyote is then and believe me don't take this to the bank it's one person's analysis is that it's usually after an oil change or a lot of high rpm running so if you have an oil that is that has a propensity to aerate i may put that same oil in my fiesta and it's a thousand percent fine i may put that same oil in a a camaro with an ls it's a thousand percent fine i put in this motor and it's a problem because it is it just the dynamics of how it's not a bad design it's just it's just it's prone to aeration now there's three types of aeration that you have to understand there's entrained aeration which is bubbles suspended in the liquid and that but once I'm here in my chair? I'm getting all excited. My chair's creaking. And that is what happens to diesel fuel, even though and you have these these separators, all right, or like you have something called an air dog, because you'll get bubbles in the in the in the fuel, and you'll also get that in a gasoline engine, any engine, when you're starting to run low in the tank. he said, geez, I put gas in the thing feels a little bit better. Not that it's running poorly before, is because you had entrained air in the gasoline but this time entrained air in the oil now what basically happens is the oil has the ability to foam and that is when the entrained air will eventually rise to the surface and create foam which is like pouring beer into a into a glass all right or pouring soda all right and it foams up and bubbles bubbles up a little bit now people tell me and I'm not a beer drinker, but I'm a milk drinker, and I don't know whether this is an old wives' tale, that if a glass had milk in it, and you pour beer in it, it'll, it'll, it'll kill the head, which is the foam, right? Now, if that's the case, that's an antagonistic all right that's interf- in interfacial surface tension so it's killing it so now so engine oil could have entrained air bubbles suspended in the liquid those eventually could turn to foam and then they could it could have dissolved air which is entrained air bubbles right that can become this can that because that can dissolve and they're naked to the eye but it'll be a problem specifically for for hydraulic valve lifters hydraulic systems on a tractor on a combine on a backhoe on a semi and this leads to a to spongy behavior so like a brake pedal right that has air in it right spongy behavior and it loses the hydraulic efficiency So when you put this all together as I get ready to close because I'm going long again today and I'm sorry, is that you do not know what you're buying, but you have to do a couple of things. Number one is that you need to understand that hydraulic oils, just like the pizza, right? All tomato sauce, cheese, and dough based upon flour. All right, so that they all taste differently so you have to have faith in the brand that you're buying but you also need to listen to your equipment now the thing that comes into play is that even though I'm talking predominantly about engine oil, is that I'm going to start with hydraulic fluid and tractor fluid. And I'm a big proponent of this been for years. If you have a John Deere, buy John Deere fluid. If you have a case-by-case fluid, hydraulic fluid. If you have a Kubota, buy a Kubota fluid. If you have a Fent, buy a Fent fluid, buy Fent fluid, as far as the hydraulic fluid is concerned. Because when you say, ah, you're full of it, hot rod, because it says it makes it just like the, 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 the ten and the twenty on the oil can is two specifications, no company the no company reveals all their specifications. So it's SAE or John Deere spec in this. It's just like saying, Well, you know, hey, you know, she's a beautiful girl. Look at her face, she's gorgeous, look at her hair, and she opens up her mouth and her teeth are rotted all right so she's beautiful except until she opens her mouth so the fact of the matter is is that today's equipment is so highly engineered and so highly refined whereas years ago they would engineer the equipment around and the engines also around the oil that existed which wasn't many choices all right but today what we do is we we engineer the piece of machinery the engine the hydraulic system the transmission around the performance we want to achieve and then we come to the industry and say this is an oil with these the tribologist comes and this is the oil this is what we need for this oil to accomplish so the cart and the horse are reversed all right so that's very very important and when it comes to and you have to remember this interfacial reaction is antagonistic you don't want you want to do your best to try not to mix them and then when it comes to engine oils you need to understand that the dynes per centimeter you could have two 5w30 oils all right they could both be synthetics what have you but the fact of the matter is you have walmart 5w30 you have mobile one 5w30 synthetic is that for the most part All right, I'm assuming, but unless you were to test it and go through all of this this testing, and I don't mean an oil analysis for $25. All right, the thing basically is, is this is probably a very good chance that the oil that is the brand, better brand and more expensive, has more chemical components in it, you use the better base stock, because remember, it's pizza, right? It's, we, we synthesize it, it could just, it's synthetic, we change the molecular structure, we could be using the junkiest tomatoes in our pizza sauce, all right, or the best tomatoes. So the thing is that, all right, and it's gonna have a lower dines per centimeter, so it's gonna have a lower surface tension, and it's gonna work much, much better now than the other one so in this particular instance i would say to you because none of us really know and i don't know so it's a fact of understanding this and then also listening to the piece of machinery now i know that i have mobile one and i'm not touting mobile one that could have the same results with castrol or valvoline or amsoil or what have you the thing is that i have it from air-cooled briggs and stratton air-cooled kohler engines to my ranger to my farm tractor to my diesel farm tractor and i done oil analysis which only is going to tell you what's wearing out all right we're wiping the bearings out in this sucker we're wiping the the wall out in this all right but the fact of the matter is is that i have seen an equal level of performance and what i mean by performance is that visual degradation of the oil Engine sound, valve train sound, and startup. All right, on startup and under hot conditions. I never get the oil that hot. All right, so to me, that's that's enough of a qualifier. My stuff lasts for years. All right, if you want to use castor oil, that's fine. That's wonderful. But you may find specifically on a farmer, you have an older engine, an older application. So you may have you may, for instance, let's say. What's happening is that, let's say you have you have a, a Ford F-150 with an EcoBoost and you have a Ford F-150 with a Coyote on your farm. You may find that the Coyote responds a little bit differently picking on that. All right, and that is why if I suggest, as much as I love Mobile One or Castrol or what have you, if I were to buy a new vehicle today or a new farm tractor or what have you, i would use the brand i would use synthetic oil or a mineral blend if you want synthetic mineral Not nothing terribly nothing wrong with that whatsoever from the manufacturer so if i am blessed to be able to buy a new farm tractor even on my farm tractor but it's a 2002 different scenario i would I, if i bought a new a new new holland i would use their synthetic oil all right i would i would get rid of i would get away from the mobile one simply because so many oils today and so many engines like i said with the hydraulic systems have so many design characteristics that that oil may need to have a certain foaming agent in it it may need to have a certain element in it for the seals that are in it and nobody is going to divulge that nobody's going to tell you that and yes and if you have many different brands you may have to carry different oils my stuff is all older my tractor is 20 years old I'm getting away with this right I'm getting away with it because uh because it's older and things were not as complicated back then but if I were blessed to buy a 2023 vehicle I bought a 2023 Ford Escape I'm not going to put the mobile one in it I'm going to put the Ford Motorcraft because I want their total additive package that they need for that engine and I think that aeration today, is very, very common in a lot of modern engines, even with fall machinery. You get these engines, they overhead cam, four valve. They're compl- not as complicated as a car engine. I think aeration is a problem, and aeration is a problem also with hydraulic systems, along with other and the chemical component. Just like if you were to put in your spray tank, right, you could put a mix, you could put an adjuvant in there that's not going to have it foam up as much. Well, they do the same thing with the oil. Obviously, it's not the same product, but if Ford is designing an engine, John Deere is designing an engine, Chrysler, Stellantis is designing an engine, they're going to say this engine has a tendency to do this or we want this this component in our oil in our hydraulic fluid in our transmission fluid right just like my fiesta has a dual clutch transmission there's special oil for it i don't know what the heck it is in. i know it looks like a crazy color but i don't know chemically what's in it but i'm sure as heck gonna put the ford dual clutch transmission oil in it because i know if i put that it's going to be a hundred percent compatible with everything that's there and it's going to give me the performance that ford wants so if i were to go and i don't even know if anybody else makes a dual clutch oil but if i was to go let's say to amazon so i'm going to put this yeah you can put this in dual clutch i mean i'm not going to say that they're liars i'm not going to say that all right but the fact of the matter is is that the whole premise is that you want to give it what it needs and if i and if you and if you know if the manufacturer is telling you this is what they want you to use don't be afraid to spend a couple of dollars more for it me maybe or what have you all right i mean i i have a new holland tractor the parts are expensive as anything i mean john deere parts are much cheaper all right but i still bite the bullet i buy new holland filters i believe buy new holland hydraulic oil the only thing i don't use like i said is the mobile i use the mobile one in the engine new holland everything new holland because i want to put it in there and I'm, I'm looking to farm i'm not looking to become a tribologist so listen i went very very long again today but I want to thank you so much for for tuning in and if you have any questions on this please reach out to me at hotrodfarmer at com, and know that I am pulling for you the American farmer and rancher you have a blessed day and please keep those people in Florida and Canada in your prayers bye bye